Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mooney Ponds Baptist Church Podcast. Here we upload our weekly teachings that happen every Sunday at our 10 a.m. service. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to us and check out our website at mpbc.org.au. Hello. Good morning. I bring to you two passages today, both from Matthew and the New International Version. Chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now from Matthew chapters 28, verses 19 to 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Marka. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, uh, that you've revealed yourself to us through your word, but also in Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your spirit. Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand your word and that we would be people who hear it and apply it in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've uh, shared with uh, many of you before how I, how I became a Christian. Uh, I went to a camp uh, in my teenage years and heard about Jesus, and I was attracted to Jesus, especially I was attracted to the stories about the love that he has for people, for, the, for people who have lost their way in life, and, uh, and for people who think they're actually outside of God's love. And uh, at the camp, I was invited to believe in Jesus. I was invited to put my trust in what he had done so that I could receive forgiveness for my sins and uh, be in a relationship with him. And I know that many of you have had that same experience. After doing that, though, I went home and I wasn't really sure what came after that. I, uh, in fact, I thought... That being a Christian largely was, uh, was about changing my beliefs. And that as long as I had correct beliefs about God, then I would be living as Jesus intended me to live. And perhaps that's your own understanding this morning. But it wasn't until some time later that I learned that uh, believing in Jesus was really just the first step of a Christian journey. And that Jesus, in fact, calls people not just to believe in him, but to follow him. 
to orientate their lives to him so that they grow in their likeness to Jesus and are able to fulfill the purposes that he has for us in the world. And so in our Mentimeter this morning, we've already begun to wrestle with the question about what is the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of, of, a, of a Christian life? And we also reflected on Jesus' famous command there, which, we, which Micah just read again to us. And this was a command that he gave to his followers, all his followers, just before he ascended to heaven and he told them to go and make disciples of all nations. And I'm, I'm not sure what you make of that command. Perhaps you haven't thought that it actually applies to you individually. Perhaps you just think that it applies to other people or to specially gifted people. Or perhaps you just think that it sort of applies to the, you know, to the whole church as a sort of organisation. And as long as the whole church is out there doing that, then that's okay. But what's clear in Scripture is that being a disciple maker requires more than someone just believing in Jesus. To be a disciple maker, one must actually be a disciple of Jesus first. At the very beginning of his ministry on earth, Jesus prayed for his disciples. Oh, sorry, at the very end of his ministry, rather. As he's coming to the end of his ministry, in fact, in the Gospel of John, it's recorded, he, he prays for his disciples just as he's about to leave them uh, because he knows that, the, uh, the, the, that his, uh, his end is coming. And in his prayer, this is what Jesus prays. He prays the following prayer. And this is eternal life, that you may know, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So Jesus is, uh, is talking to his heavenly father about the work that he's been doing. And he says that he glorified him by finishing the work that he was given to do. Now, what was the task that Jesus had finished at that point in his ministry? Some might think that he's talking about the work of dealing with people's sin or defeating evil and death because these are actually central, of course, to Jesus' uh, his, his mission on earth. But this can't be what Jesus is talking about here because, because he hadn't actually done those things yet. He had not yet been crucified and he hadn't yet been risen from the grave and these cataclysmic events in the world were yet still to come. So the work that Jesus had finished was the work of training and equipping his disciples so that they could be released into the world and fulfill the purpose that God has for them, which is to be disciple makers, just like him. It's common to think that a disciple is, is uh, just one of those 12 guys that followed Jesus while he was on earth. Or another way of thinking about a disciple, which is quite common, is that it's you know, just a few dedicated believers who are specially chosen or gifted by God. But actually the New Testament shows that Jesus calls all who believe to, in him to actually be his disciples. 
and to be disciple makers, as, as this verse before in Matthew 28, 19 tells us. And other parts of Scripture tell us the same thing. Paul, the Apostle, says that actually uh, we are all saved by grace through faith for good works that God has planned for us to do. All saved. Not just some, but all saved by grace through faith for good works that God has planned for us to do. And also he says that everyone who is in Christ has received the Holy Spirit who empowers us for his mission in the world. And so one of the big issues that's facing the church today is that many people are not disciple makers because they're actually not disciples of Jesus. They only believe in him. And so we're in a series titled Rebooting the Church in Jesus' Image and the title really says it all. It says, it says we believe that Jesus actually sets the agenda for his church. He, he's the one who equips. He's the one who empowers us for his service. And only a church that's centered on Jesus will be effective in revealing the kingdom of God to people around us and will be effective actually inviting people to enter into that kingdom. And so one of the strongest images of Jesus that's actually presented in the New Testament is of him being a disciple maker. And we see this in the Gospels when he called people to follow him as, 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 uh, as disciples and then he trained and equipped them to become disciple makers themselves. Now we've already given our own definitions on the mentimeter of what we think a disciple is. And we had lots of different ideas about what a disciple is. And so in order to be a church that is effectively making disciples, we need to be actually in agreement. We need to actually have a unified vision of what a disciple is before, because that's actually central, a central image or a central role that uh, we are to play. It's central for us being a church that's in Jesus' image. I once took an American friend of mine to the, uh, to the cricket, to the MCG, for a one-day match. He didn't like it very much. <laughs> he didn't understand what the cricketers were trying to accomplish. He didn't understand their purpose. In fact, he was confused because he kept trying to understand the game of cricket through his understanding of what baseball was. And one of the things that really, really, really annoyed him was that not everyone in the cricket match got to bat. Not very democratic. But in baseball, everyone gets to bat. But in cricket, if two batters are out there playing cricket, if you don't know anything about cricket, if two batters are out there in the centre and they are scoring runs and don't get out, then the rest of their team who are up in the box, they're just happy to watch them. It's fine. They're not really bothered. But this, the, my friend couldn't understand how this could take place. The whole thing was confusing to him, and he was only watching it. <laughs> Imagine, though, if people trying to play that game didn't understand what the purpose of what they were trying to do, if they couldn't agree on what they were trying to accomplish. It would just be chaos. 
Or what if people involved in a construction project didn't have the same idea in their mind about what they were building, what it was going to look like, and what its purpose was? Imagine if uh, some of them thought they were building a tunnel, while others thought they were building a bridge, and others thought they were building a high-rise complex. It would end in disaster, and people would get fed up and and walk, walk away. What are we trying to accomplish as a church? What purpose has God given to us? What does Jesus want us to be? And these are essential questions that need answers. We need to answer them. And in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus told his followers that their purpose was to go and make disciples of all nations. And Jesus said this after his resurrection, it wasn't though an afterthought, it wasn't just something he was saying, you know, just uh, as a side issue. Because this has actually been God's purpose for his people all along. And Jesus modelled this throughout his entire ministry. At the very start of his ministry in Matthew 4.19, Jesus gives a very simple definition of what a disciple is when he called his disciples to follow him. Jesus said to Peter and Andrew and then to James and John, he said this, he said, Come, follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. So that's in, uh, that's in Matthew's Gospel. But the same call, this is emphasised in each of the Gospels. In Luke's Gospel, Jesus' call to follow him comes after they'd witnessed Jesus uh, sort of catch this, uh, help them catch this huge, massive catch of fish. He filled their nets with fish and they were amazed. In John's Gospel, Jesus' call to follow him doesn't actually come until halfway through the book, which is really interesting. You see, in the first eight chapters of John, Jesus is revealing himself, who he is to his disciples. He's turning water into wine. He's walking on water. He's feeding 5,000 people. He's healing the sick. He's, He's teaching them his values of his kingdom and how people can be saved. But then halfway through the the Gospel of John, something happens. Jesus asks his disciples to tell him who people say he is. And then he asks them a really important question, but, but who do you say that I am? And this is where Peter famously confesses, you are the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the promised one. And this is sort of like a watershed moment. It was at this point in his ministry that the disciples stated that they believed in Jesus. They had their own belief in him. And it's only after that that Jesus, it's only after Jesus hears this confession of belief that he begins to outline to them what a disciple is. And so this tells us something very important about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And primarily it tells us that being a disciple of Jesus is more than just believing in Jesus. In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says to his would-be disciples, come follow me. And so when they hear this call, they actually literally get up and they go with Jesus and they leave what they're doing. But Jesus wasn't just inviting them 
to go with him physically, although that's what they did. Come follow me is an invitation to put Jesus in the lead of their lives. It's a, it's a call to sort of orientate their entire lives to Jesus. And it's not merely an invitation to believe that someone is special. And so we know this because we're told the disciples left everything and they joined Jesus in what he was doing. And so following Jesus is never about just believing something in your head about Jesus. It involves that, but it's not just that. It requires movement towards Jesus and it actually requires a reorientation of priorities. But that's never easy, is it? It's challenging. That's really challenging. In fact, some people found it way too challenging. Some of the hardest sayings of Jesus are things that he said to people who actually wanted to follow him. In fact, in Luke 9, Jesus told his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That doesn't sound very nice, does it? For us, you know, we might hear that and that might just seem a bit odd to us, but it wouldn't have sounded odd at all to Jesus' disciples. In fact, it would have sounded really disturbing. <laughs> it would have sounded really tough. You see, the cross, they knew that the cross was an instrument of torture because it was used by Romans to punish criminals. No one got a little bit crucified. There's no minor and major crucifixions. If you saw someone carrying a cross, it meant that they were on their way to suffering and death. A little later, Jesus had some other conversations with people about what it means to follow him. The first person approached Jesus and he was really eager. He said, oh, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to follow you wherever you go. And so from Jesus' response, it seems that this person didn't have very realistic expectations of what that actually meant. Because Jesus told him that following him would actually lead to a very uncertain existence. He says that foxes were better off in regard to housing and having housing security than than his followers would be. The next person was invited by Jesus to follow him. But this person said they wanted to go and bury their mum and dad first. Now, Jesus isn't being harsh here. He's not harsh in his reply because actually this person's parents weren't dead. They were probably far from it. What this person is saying to Jesus is that he wants to follow him, but just not now. They would, they would do it later in life when they've got time, when it's more convenient. And the third person told Jesus that they would follow him, but they wanted to go and say goodbye to their family first. And so Jesus' point is the same for all three people. To be a disciple of his, he, Jesus, must come first in their life. And you might think to yourself, ah, but you know, Maybe they were just politely rejecting Jesus. Weren't they just doing that? Just you know, But none of these people were rejecting Jesus. They were actually accepting him. They were believing in him. But none of them wanted to put him first. None of them wanted to orientate their lives to him. 
And so, friends, this is not a, a, just an ancient problem either, is it? It's one of the biggest issues, I think, facing us today as a church. And we could put it this way. These people were happy for Jesus to be their saviour, but not Lord of their life. But what Jesus says and models consistently is that a disciple is someone who not only believes in him, but someone who follows him in a way that impacts every part of their life, every part of their being. Who is Jesus for you today? I know that for many of you, he is your saviour. For many of you, you do believe in him. You have accepted him. You've accepted his mercy. You've received his grace, which are all essential, all excellent things. But the question remains is, is he Lord? And are you his disciple? It's essential to Jesus that we move from believing in Jesus to following him. Because this is how you change This is how you actually become more like Jesus. This is how you fulfill his purposes for you in being a disciple maker. You see, in the second part of that verse we look at here, come follow me, there's another part, you see. And it says, I will make you fishers of men. And so Jesus reveals in this very simple verse, this very simple uh, call, his intentions for people who follow, for, for people who believe. And the intention is that he wants to change us. He calls people to follow him in order to change them and to make them something, which is to be fishers of people. A lot of Christians believe that, uh, that God only selects a few people to serve him as fishers of people or disciple makers. But I think we've got the wrong idea sometimes of what a disciple maker is. We think it's all about just someone who talks and and evangelises with their words. They believe that God only calls people to do that who have got special gifts, the gift of the gab. But Jesus doesn't define a disciple here as someone who has the gift of the gab or any special gift at all. Even, after, even when selecting the 12 disciples, Jesus didn't pick the superstars. It was, in fact, the opposite. Jesus wasn't like an AFL coach who at draft pick time goes around looking for, you know, for star players to recruit to his team so that he could make his team better. It's actually Jesus' specialty to take ordinary people and shape them so that they can be, be used for his purposes, to glorify him, to be used for his purposes. And this is the way that he does, the way that he does this is actually by transforming and changing us to be like Jesus. In fact, in John 15, Jesus promised his disciples that he will, he will produce good fruit in their lives if they remain in him. And so the fruit that he's talking about is is having Jesus, his own character, his own nature, his own attitudes to service in them. And so how do you do this? Well, you, 
How do you have that? By remaining in Jesus. How do you remain in Jesus so that you produce good fruit? Fruit will you follow him. You, you orientate your life to him. And so if we put all of this together, what it means is that a disciple is a person who is following Jesus. Someone who knows Jesus as their saviour, but who is surrendering their life to him as Lord. It also means a disciple is someone who is being changed by Jesus. It's not just someone who has certain beliefs in their head, intellectual beliefs about God. A disciple is always, discipleship always involves change. So that we're becoming, in many ways, little versions of Jesus to the people around us. And a disciple is someone who's committed to Jesus' purposes. That is, we're committed to becoming disciple makers like him. None of the disciples started out following Jesus or even being like him, really, in any way. But they, as they orientated their lives to him, as they listened to him, as they copied him, Jesus began to see that they were changing. And they had changed to the point that he could tell his heavenly father in that prayer that I began with that his work was finished and that they were ready to be disciple makers. All that remained was that they all that remained was them to receive the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost so that they would have the power to be who he had equipped them to be. What would Jesus say about you today if he was praying? Would he say that you have grown in your knowledge of him and that you're still growing? Would he say that you have changed in your likeness to him and that you're still growing like that? Would he say that you are tuned into his purposes in the world and that you are seeking to participate according to the gifts and abilities he's given you? The writer to the book of Hebrews had some really tough words for people in his community who were obviously not growing as disciples of Jesus. They were believers, but they were not growing as disciples. And he said this, he says, You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognise the difference between right and wrong. These are really tough words. They're tough words to say. They're tough words to hear. But if we don't hear them here, where will we hear them? And as I was reflecting on this passage this week, I was almost brought to tears. Found myself welling up. Wondering how they applied to me. And perhaps you feel the heaviness in, of those words yourself this morning. But these verses are only heavy if we don't see grace and the possibility of change. And if we think that the change that God wants to do in us is completely dependent upon us. 
You see, there's, uh, there's other stories of following. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked him what he must do to inherit eternal life, we're told that Jesus looked at him and loved him. You see, I love that verse. This is how Jesus is looking at me this morning. This is how Jesus is actually looking at you this morning. And then he said, One thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Jesus is not a harsh man. In fact, he's a complete opposite. But what Jesus is doing here to the rich young ruler is he's speaking truth in love. He knows that unless he becomes this, this man, unless he becomes Lord of this young man's life, he'll continue to be governed and ruled by things that are not life-giving. And so when Jesus looked at this guy and loved him, he saw that there was one thing that was standing in the way of him gaining eternal life, and it was a place of money in his life. Money was the focus of his life. It was, it was his Lord. The rich young ruler wanted eternal life, but he was not willing to place his wealth under the authority of God. And it caused him to turn away and stop pursuing Jesus or eternal life. Now, money is not evil. Neither is it wrong to want to take care of your aging parents. And it's not wrong to want to live in a house as with the other incidents that, uh, in those other incidents in which Jesus encountered people who wanted to follow him. The issues that Jesus saw were things that people were actually seeking more than him. And what we need to notice is it wasn't the same thing for, for all the people. Jesus didn't just tell everyone that he met, oh, sell everything and, and come and follow me. And in the same way that he didn't say to people, who wanted to uh, bury their bury their aging parents? Let the let the dead bury the dead. And it's also different for each of us as well. You you already may know the Jesus no go zones in your own life. It could be money. It could be your career. It could be your lifestyle. It could be your identity your home, your car, your time, your willingness to serve. Whatever it is, you need to hear Jesus on it and allow him, hear him say, allow him to show you that he loves you, but also to hear him and help you deal with it. In fact, after the rich young ruler went away, the disciples were dismayed. <laughs> they asked Jesus, well, who can be saved? And Jesus' answer is important to hear. What's impossible with man is possible with God. And so what he means is that no one can be saved. And no one can be a, a true disciple, a follower of his, a disciple maker. No one can do that in their own strength. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God and we need to seek to be in step with the Spirit daily in our lives. And this is the reason why Jesus told his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit to fill them before they started that ministry of making disciples. But once they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they had everything they needed to play the role God intended them to be as his disciple makers to the nations. 
And so we get a glimpse of what that looks like in the book of Acts. We get a glimpse of what it means when people follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. When people orientate their lives around Jesus, their lives are literally changed. They're transformed. And we hear, we read in the first few chapters of the book of Acts that the followers of Jesus devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They also met often together and they had everything in common. They sold property. They sold possessions to give to anyone in need. They broke bread in their homes, meaning that they opened their homes to one another. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favour of all people. And the result of this, friends, the verse after this says, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. That's the fruit of being a follower of Jesus. Friends, believing in Jesus is just the start of a journey with Jesus. And to, to be a church, to be a church that's actually rebooted in Jesus' image, we actually need to move from believing in Jesus to following him as his disciples, being changed by him in tune with his mission, so that we become disciple-makers who in turn become disciples of other people. And that's the way it continues. Friends, where are you today in your relationship with Jesus? Have you grown in your understanding of him? Have you changed in your likeness to him? Or have you been largely static? Are you just believing, going through the motions, perhaps turning up here each week? But deep down, you know there's something more. You're hungering for something more. Friends, Jesus is wanting to take all of us on a journey. And I want to encourage us not to let this pass us by. As the band comes up to play our final song. The final song is called I Will Follow. It's going to be a challenge to sing this song, but I want to encourage you to sing it in an attitude of surrender, to ask God to show you what is Lord of your life right now, what is before him. And ask him to help you to put him first. And ask him by the power of his spirit to move you and to move us as a church to become a community of Jesus followers who make disciples and who disciple others. Thanks, Jason.